0: Cool. I have my little iPad right next to our. How Great Is Our God. That's good. I like that. This will be a nice juxtaposition. And then this one. Oh, that's the next song. So sweet to trust in Jesus. That's even better. In fact, I'm going to have that nice and symmetrical just to remind me. So Revelation. Wow, what a book. I don't think it even needs an intro, does it? And normally a preacher has to get up here and give you a kind of catchy kind of intro to make sure you're engaged. A lot of public speaking tells you that you're engaged or disengaged within the first 30 seconds. But if you know anything about Revelation, you should actually put your seatbelt on right now. Five-point safety harness. I don't know if you're aware of this, but your seatbelts in your car aren't the uh, safest type of seatbelt. You can submarine out underneath. So in the black or we have a five-point safety harness. They really look after us, which is good. So five-point safety harnesses on, people. Revelation. Now, let me ask you this question I put it on Facebook. It was uh, kind of limited responses, but maybe we'll get some more today. If you were to summarise Revelation in one sentence and say it's to a friend that you'll never see again and they're on their way out and they say, what's that book of Revelation all about anyway? Tell me in one sentence. What would you say? I mean, most of you guys are are probably know revelation. You've been brought up in the church and that kind of thing. What would you say in one sentence? I'll just give you a few responses that we did get from uh, Facebook. So I don't know how well you can read them, but Camille, I don't know if you realise this, Camille, is she here? Oh, maybe not. Oh, she said, I'll be back. (laughs) And I just read that as she'll be back. So I was waiting and waiting for her to come back. I thought she'd gone away to think about it. (laughs) So, yeah, (laughs) must be genetic, Gabby. So, and her cat said, Grace, Raji, we were talking on the little trail up to Mount Perseverance there about Jesus wins. Get on his team. Uh, what do you guys think? Maybe two or three responses. How would you respond? How would you, what would you say about Revelation? One sentence or less.
1: Keep your eyes on Jesus and be ready. Yeah, I like that one. Who else? Ben? Oh, the carrot and the stick. Yeah, so like, we had the
0: Gospel of John which was honey. It was like telling us what Jesus had done on the cross, a magnificent story, as John recalled it, of Jesus, of his life, his perfect life of service, his death, his resurrection, his call to all men and women to repent of their sin and to put their hope and trust in him and then enjoy eternal life. It was awesome seeing Jesus. We saw him at what should have been his worst in the Gospel of John. And I encourage you to go back and have a look at those sermons. We, should, we saw him at what should have been his worst under incredible pressure, persecution his whole life and yet he just glowed the whole time. There's no other religious figure like that. No other religious figure like that. Now it's the same John who at the end of his life writes the book of Revelation and I think in many ways we are right to say it is a kind of, it's a bit glib really, carrot and stick but what it is is encouragement in John and warning in Revelation because God loves us so much that if he sees us teetering on the edge of a cliff because of our own choices he may well slap us hard to get us away from the edge of the cliff. In fact, we do that all the time. If I saw Becky running towards a truck, I'd crash tackle her. And in that crash tackle, she would be going, Daddy, you're abusive. And she might start a blog about it if she had enough time. But then when she saw the big truck, she would know that I loved her. We would do the same thing for our children. And so revelation is really, yes, get ready. Um, There's bad stuff that awaits certain choices, certain trajectories of thinking, certain habits in our lives. So where are we going today? I want to look at the seven blessings of Revelation. Did you know that there were seven blessings? There are seven key times where the word blessed are you or the term blessed are you is used. Seven key blessings. And what we're actually doing is we're introing the book of Revelation and we're doing it by wrapping around and building out on these seven blessings. So we're going to go through those. That is going to cause a key question to emerge and I hope you'll see it it's a life or death heaven or hell magnificence or misery question that is going to emerge from these seven blessings I hope you see it I'm going to make sure you see it don't (laughs) as I saw it and I hope you feel it I hope it travels from the head to your heart and out into your hands hands of service hands of good deeds hands of perseverance legs of perseverance Then I'm going to give what I believe is the Holy Spirit's answer to that profound question. There's going to be a closing exhortation via text message. And then there's going to be a closing
1: exhortative song, a song of exhortation for us. You ready? You'll see it at the end. It's going to be good. And you can sing it. Oh, we could possibly sing it. So that's where we're going.
0: Seven blessings of Revelation, an emergent question, the Holy Spirit's answer, that, answer to that question, a text message exhortation, and then a closing exhortative song. Except we're not really closing because we're just starting the book of Revelation. So that's what the text message will talk about. So um, in future weeks, we're going to be going through that. So really be praying for the preachers of this church that they will be led by the Holy Spirit, that their hearts will be gripped by the Holy Spirit, and that we will be open to him. That's where we're going. So let's begin with the seven blessings. If you haven't already, you hopefully open up to Revelation, which is quite easy to find because you just open up to the end of the Bible and it's the last book of the Bible. And if you want to open up to Revelation chapter 1, and we'll look at the first blessing together, blessing number 1. Now, I'm going to read around these verses. I'll put the key verses up there or the key blessings, but we're reading the first few verses of Revelation. And this is what it says. The revelation of Jesus Christ. So it's not the revelation of Adrian Park. It's not the revelation of Tim LaHaye. It's not the revelation of John Piper, even though all those guys have probably covered things in Revelation very well, and as have many of the other um, kind of superstar preachers. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, to show you. What must soon take place? He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John. That's John, the son of thunder, the disciple that Jesus loved that was with him at the cross, the only one that was with him at the cross. You can go back to our series in John and see that. Who testifies to everything he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Here's the first blessing. Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy, And blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart, what is written in it, because the time is near. I just want to read that again. Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy. There's a blessing right now just for reading this. And blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart. In your version, maybe it's ESV, King James, it'll say, blessed are those who what?
1: Who's got an ESV? Keep it. Keep it. That's it. So, blessed are, those,
0: blessed are those who read this. I encourage you just to read it. Blessed are those who hear it. Blessed are those who keep it. Because the time is near. Now, just a quick word on the time is near. In the Bible, time does not work the same way as on your iPhone calendar. With your agenda. And your little reminders that come up. Time is all based around the functional kingdom plan of God. So once certain things have taken place, a bit like a house, you know, if, if all of Revelation, as in the whole Bible, and God's grand kingdom plan was a house, when it says the time is near, what it means is it's ready to be moved into. Everything's done. The foundation is built, however long that took. The walls are built. The roof is built. And it's ready to be moved into. There's nothing else that needs to be done. The time is near. Now, because God's eternal, to us, 2,000 years seems like a long time, right? but it's not to him. And that's the whole point. That's why many of Jesus' parables, and I encourage you to go and read them in conjunction with Revelation, are all about getting ready, being ready, but then a long wait. Remember the parable of the, the, the virgins, the parable of the servant. My, my master's taken a long time to get back. That's why. So to be ready any time, we've got to be ready all the time. But I will say this, in our linear sense of time, we are closer than ever, ever, ever before. It could be before the end of this sermon. Blessed are those who read this word. Blessed are those who hear it. Blessed are those who keep it. Has anyone picked up on what the um, emergent question might be? So that word keep is really important. Now, I've got a little Greek dictionary. Any of you guys can get this. You're so blessed with resources nowadays. Just get a dictionary. You can go to it online. And it's a Greek dictionary, and you can, uh, it'll come up with little numbers called Strong's Numbers. You click on the Strong's number for keep, and it'll tell you what it means in the Greek. Now, you've got to be careful, because often words are driven by context, and they can mean different things in different contexts. But this means pretty much the same thing wherever it appears. It means to, um, in a sense, be a warden,
1: a guard, with a view to obeying. With a view to being ready to act. It's the idea of
0: keeping our eyes fixed upon. It's the idea of obedience. So to obey the word is to keep it, is to do it. Now think about this. How how do you do the words of a prophecy? This is the core question, really. How do you keep revelation? Because most times what we see is just debate over revelation. Kind of interesting, whimsical things about what that might mean and what this might mean. But the core question really is, how do you do this? How do you do revelation? If we had time, I'd get responses. But maybe have a think about that going into the week. How do you do the words of this prophecy? How do you keep them? How do you stay on guard? How do you stay on watch? How do you stay vigilant? Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy. Blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart. Blessed are those who keep it because the time is near. And how do you do it when it's so confusing and there's so much debate online? I just Googled Revelation debate. i got 12 million hits. i got stuff like, is it, are you a millennialist or an amillennialist? As, like as soon as you have to go to Wikipedia to look words up, you know you're in trouble. I actually did know what they meant. But you know what I mean? Most people are going, to, you'd go to Wikipedia, wouldn't you, Luke? Do you know what an amillennialist is? <laughs> so Luke, you know, Luke wasn't brought up necessarily as a you know, full-on Christian home. So I can guarantee that a lot of, what about preterists? Peter, no. He's like I am mean, you don't know, man? Come on. <laughs> futurists. In all seriousness, no. Paul actually exhorts people in Timothy and he says, watch out for those who argue about words. If this isn't about words, I don't know what it is about. Um, so anyway, that's a warning for us, but that's not where I wanted to necessarily go now. But there is these debates, millennial, millennial, before the rapture, after the rapture, no rapture, futurist, preterist, and what that tends to do is it tends to put up a bit of a smokescreen or maybe just a white noise distraction from the real point of Revelation. So, What is the real point? How do we do it? How do we be vigilant? I want to, if it's all right with all of you and the fellow preachers, is call this series, Revelation, Do These Words. Revelation, Do These Words. Because every time, hopefully, in a sermon series, the title page will say, Revelation, Do These Words, and you'll be encouraged, which is going to be guiding principle number one, as you'll see later. Revelation, Do These Words you will want to look deeply, ask the Holy Spirit, well, how do I do this? I'd like to see actually 12 million Google hits on how you do these words. That would be actually quite helpful, not that you'll be able to read all of them. Because most of those debates, I can tell you, are just fluff on the backside of a very large burning furnace. Everyone's worried about the fluff on the backside instead of the heat and the energy and what that furnace could mean. Revelation is do these words. Do these words. Do these words. And you might say, man, when I get to those seven seals and I get to those seven trumpets and I get to those beasts and I get to those numbers and I get to the 144,000, I just don't understand. I don't understand. And that is why there's 12 million hits because there are many people who have spent their whole lives studying this and not getting it. So it's quite right for us to say, I don't understand it. And yet Jesus has still said, do these words. Now, who was Revelation originally written
1: to? No, it was written to churches in Asia. Sorry, I'm going to be, this is,
0: is this satire or is this mockery? I don't know. I don't know. It was written to churches in Asia who 2,000 years ago had, uh, all of them had PhDs in theology. All of them had Google and they could Google and read all the 12 million debates. They had Greek to Greek, Hebrew to Hebrew, interlinear dictionaries. They had superstar podcasting, TV broadcasting theologians. That's why they could get it. Yes, I'm not, don't quote me on that. I'm being sarcastic for a reason. No, these people, What well, tells us in chapter, uh, sorry, chapter 1, verse 4, to the seven churches in the province of Asia. It might have been, one of those churches might have been very much like this maybe even with the same amount, maybe not that many people. It's very hard to tell. And it was written to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And in those churches, were they Jewish churches, by the way? No, they would have had Jewish people in there, because we know that people from Asia Minor, which is really Turkey in modern, modern times, uh, they were at Pentecost. We know that Paul preached, uh, sorry, um, in, uh, later missionaries preached through there. So it was a mix of people, basic people like you or me. Yep, they had the culture and we've got to bite through some of those cultural aspects to see what they're saying. But I just want to encourage you that if you're in the grip of the Holy Spirit, then these words are for you. And what I want to sort of point out is that oftentimes with prophecy, we overstate or overinterpret the prophecy. Now, if we are just basic people in the grip of the Holy Spirit, we will understand the word precise. So we're talking about the word general going to the word precise. Um, You'll understand by his power at the right time. And you'll understand that the way prophecy has always worked is that the word written generally in a basic way is then guided by supernatural power to what it means precisely. At the right time. And I believe most of these debates are because it's not the right time yet. But we're getting closer. And you might go, what are you talking about, Adrian? Okay, let's think about the first coming of Jesus. There were prophecies, weren't there? Give me one. Come on, you're all biblical. What was a prophecy about Jesus that we know was written at least 500 years before he rocked up? he will be born in a small town called Bethlehem. That was relatively specific. Were they told when? No. To a virgin, to a woman. So how did the wise men get there? Because the Bible didn't say, uh, Google map link, this way to go. They had supernatural assistance, didn't they? Now all the Pharisees and the scholars of the time, they were debating over where the Messiah would come and they had a general idea. But they didn't know the right time. They didn't know which woman. The shepherds in the field, how did they get to
1: Jesus? Supernatural assistance by an angelic rock band who said, go to that town now. Now's the time.
0: The shepherds knew because of supernatural assistance. What about Anna, Elizabeth, Zechariah? How did they know? By supernatural assistance. So the word of God gives us the general contours. It gives us what we need generally before it happens. And then we are to wait for the specific, precise understanding. So we should preach with, uh, with abandon and with passion the word general. And then we should wait. We should wait because... What we want to do is let scholars debate and let spirit-led people wait. Scholars debate, spirit-led people wait. I actually don't mind the debates, but if that is the main game, that's not right. Spirit-led people wait. They wait for understanding. And so I want, are you, are you ready with your five-point harness on? Are you ready to wait? Look, are you ready for us even as a church to maybe make a few mistakes with this and give us grace? And are you ready to like get into the Word yourself and study it yourself?
1: So that you might do these words? Good.
0: <laughs> That's how we roll, isn't it, at Willowburn? We lead from among you. I'll probably make mistakes with this. Please give me grace. I'm just a lumberjack. <laughs> I am. That's what I was. I don't even know how I got here. Honestly, like sometimes it's just, well, what'd you do?
1: Oh, yeah, how great is our God. It's so sweet to trust him. So we will wait for the precision, but we will preach with passion the general. Scholars debate,
0: spirit led people. Let's look at blessing two and let's keep going through these blessings. Now, remember how that first blessing was blessed are those who read, blessed are those who hear. I really want us with revelation not to rush through the Bible reading. We tend to rush through the Bible readings. So I just want to. And maybe even close your eyes as we read these. You can't read and listen at the same time. So you take your choice. If you want to read yourself or listen to me, it's up to you. Um, you might think you are, but it's a thing called cognitive threading. You're flip-flopping back and forth. Women do it better than men. Um, multitasking. Anyway, that's a tangent. So this, call, I'm just, so this is the blessing number two. And this is from Revelation 14. And if you want to skim there, and you'll notice as you skim across on your Bible or you flick through on your app, Uh, We might not because you'll probably go straight to Revelation 14 on your app. You'll notice lots of stuff. Horsemen of the apocalypse. You're going to notice these magnificent metaphors and pictures. I'm going to put an article up that I want you to read about metaphors because I don't have time to go through it all now. But metaphors are magnificent. They make you feel something, not just think something, which then hopefully makes you do something. This This calls for patient endurance on the part of the saints who obey God's commandments and remain faithful to Jesus. Then I heard a voice from heaven say, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit. They will rest from their labor for their deeds will follow them. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit. They will rest from their labor for their deeds
1: will follow them. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. What calls for patient endurance? Yep. Well, we need to kind of flick back. What calls for
0: patient endurance? We notice, first of all, that the deeds follow them. Sorry, sometimes ask questions, don't necessarily expect answers, but you can yell at answers, it's nice, I don't mind. Um, I think that's called rhetoric or something. Uh, it's their deeds that follow them. Now, I want, I want you to keep that hovering over at the back of your mind for a moment. It's their deeds, it's the doing, that follows these saints that are blessed. But what calls for patient endurance? Well, if we look back and just don't go back to specific places, if you've got a normal Bible, you'll see, if you flick back, you'll see in Revelation 6, after the general intro and the, and the churches, the description, the exhortations to the churches, the seven churches, it starts to get into the literal revelations, the opening up. That's what it means, apocalypse, revelation, the opening up of a mystery. And you see seven, initially, extreme hardships, seven seals, seven extreme hardships. That's what they are. The first seal is a white horse. It's war and conquest. Then it's a fiery red horse. There's no peace. Men slay each other. There's a black horse. I call this economic absurdities, where don't touch the oil and the wine, and the bread, basic staple diet, has gone through the roof in terms of cost. Those things that were relatively cheap and should have been a priority are displaced. It's a non-sustainable economic system, probably as a result of war, severe war. The pale horse, number five, death, famine, plague, that always follows war. Number five, incredible persecution to Christians. This calls for endurance, my brothers and sisters. I'm not joking now. This calls for endurance. You want to know how to do these words? Endure. What does that look like? You will still be proclaiming
1: the name of the Lord Jesus Christ after this. Whatever it costs. You ready for that? Number six. The cosmos itself begins
0: to quake, shake, severe earthquakes. Revelation 6 15 says, The kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, every slave, every free man hid in caves and amongst the rocks of the mountains. And their suffering was so severe that they called to the rocks to fall on them. And they say, Hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? That is so frightening. That is appallingly scary. And yet the average Joe would look at that and go, the wrath of a lamb? What's that mean? What they don't realise is that is their grace. He is a lamb. He is the lamb that was sacrificed for the sins of the world. He takes away the sins of the world. That's how John um, records the other John, John the Baptist, when he first saw Jesus. But now he is the resurrected, exalted king of kings, king of the cosmos. Now after the seventh seal, and you're going to get a lot more of this in the future, a lot more detail There is a half an hour of silence in heaven. Now, this is extraordinary. Because what's been happening in heaven up to this point? Generally, magnificent praise. There's like the heavenly rock band. There's the opera. There's the orchestra. And they're all merged together into a beautiful symphony that no ear has yet heard. And it's just going off in there. There's people like praising God in such an awesome way. There's majestic beasts, uh, angels, uh, things that we don't even
1: understand in our three-dimensional minds. And then there's silence. Silence in heaven. Because the seventh seal is broken. What happens next? You're going to have to hang around. You're going to have to hang around.
0: Bad stuff happens though. That's why it calls for patient endurance. So one of the ways we want to do these words is patiently endure. And there's going to be three guiding principles that I myself are going to come back and I'm going to exhort the other preachers in this uh, um, church to come back to as well. First of all, guiding principle number one is we want to do the words of this this prophecy, want to do the words of this prophecy. So what does that mean? Because I really think each of the sermons should be leading to that. If I could exhort Raji and um, Daniel and other people that are going to preach, um, Andrew, Rick, uh, Others that we will probably ask, how do we do this, guys? How do we do this? That's one. Two, we want to rely on supernatural help to do the words of this prophecy. We want to rely on the power of the Spirit to, first of all, make it very clear what he wants from this church. And then three, we want to neither underinterpret or overinterpret. So if you think we're over-interpreting, we've now said that the, seventh, uh, the fourth horseman is a key figure running for the presidential race, no, like, you know, that kind of stuff, then you come and rebuke us or whatever. Because we lead from within and we are broken sinners just like you. If, however, we just underinterpret and go, yeah, it's all just a metaphor, you don't need to worry too much, he's not coming. They're extremes, but you come and rebuke us. But don't rebuke us about silly details that neither you nor I will ever solve in this time, in this lifetime. We want to do the words of this prophecy. We want to rely on the Holy Spirit, and we neither want to overinterpret or underinterpret. Is that fair enough? what? Cool. <laughs> as if you're going to say no. But you can say no later when it's not as embarrassing for me. Um, anyway, remember blessing number one. Blessed are those who read and hear. So let me read, and, and then you hear. This is the third blessing, Revelation 16: 14 to 16. They are the spirits of demons performing miraculous signs. Incredible deceptions. You've got to be ready. They go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them for the battle of the great day of God Almighty. And then these words from Jesus. Behold, I come like a thief. Blessed is he who stays awake and keeps his clothes with him so that he may not go naked and be shamefully exposed. Then they gathered the kings together to the place that is in Hebrew is called Armageddon. When I was in Fort Rucker, I had two Israeli students. And... What I did was, while they're up the front of the simulator, I was sitting back there and you can kind of bring in this mode where the weather turns really ugly. You put it to twilight, you put in storms, and it literally looks like the end of the world. And I kind of made that joke with them. I said, isn't that in your neck of the woods? They go, oh, yes, the plains of Megiddo. And they'd fly over them quite regularly, big open plain ready for the end of the world. But again, how do we do this word? And I went, far out. that's going to be awful to think of all that modern weaponry coming together. Blessed is he who stays awake and keeps his clothes with him. What are the clothes? Stay tuned, you'll see. One of the means of not overinterpreting or underinterpreting is whenever the revelation tells us what something means, and we should listen to that. Does anyone know, just offhand, what the clothes are? What revelation tells us the clothes mean? No, not quite. The guys have been
1: studying it. The good deeds. The, the good deeds. You're going to see that here in a minute. They are the
0: good deeds of the saints, literally. So how do you do that? Well, one way you do it is just stay awake, stay ready. Blessing number four. This is Revelation 19, 6-9. Nine. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing water and the loud peals of thunder. Like imagine the power in those voices. Oh, hallelujah, for our Lord God almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Find Linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. Do not ever think that you can outrun your actions with your words. You never will. It's a losing race. Your actions will always catch up and outrun your words. Always. You say you're a Christian, show it. Show it. In his power, in his strength, show it. And then is the blessing. The angel said to me, write... Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. You are invited. You are blessed. How do you do that? Well, the world is a training ground. The world is a proving ground. Think about the things that in your life right now, if I didn't know you and I just had a video camera on you, which would be a bit creepy, but go with me on it. If I had a video camera and I could see your lives, right? You never said anything. It was a silent film. It was a black and white silent film. How would I know that you love the Lord Jesus? Yesterday we saw the mighty men. Does anyone remember how those three showed their love for their king? On their silent film, their black and white silent film, you would have seen King David, thirsty, drinking from an old skin bag, probably manky water in battle. And he says, oh, how I long for a drink of water from the well at Bethlehem. The three mighty men, his warriors, hear that. Without being told, they go on a special forces mission. They break through enemy lines. They retrieve water from the well. They return to their king and they give it to David. On the silent black and white film of your good deeds, you wouldn't have to say anything to say to see that those men love their king. And David, he's, he's so profoundly moved that he, he pours it out as a drink offering to God. He goes, how can I drink this when you, when you sacrificed your will nearly sacrifice your lives for me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to elevate this from just a a token for me as a token to God. That's what happened in that moment. And that's the same in our lives where we go, I'm going to do something good for you, Luke. I'm going to do something good for you, Camille. Yeah, that's all right. Um, It's a a token to God because he's always tied in love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and mind, with love your neighbour. How do you do... You do stuff for God. You break through for Him. And you know, yesterday we saw how Jesus on the cross said, What? I thirst. And where were the mighty men?
1: There was no mighty man for Jesus. That's why we love Him, that's why He's the Lamb. He took the pain of that cross, and when He asked for water, what did He get? He got vinegar awful.
0: That's our King. That's our Lord. That's why I love Him. That's why I get up and say these strong words. That's why He says strong words to us through Revelation. Blessing number 5, Revelation 20 verse 6. Blessed and holy are those who have part in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them. They will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with Him for a thousand years. You can bet your bottom dollar that reigning with God for a thousand years is way better than anything you can imagine here on earth. If you're about to become president of the United States, you would think you're pretty cool stuff. It's Nothing compared to this. If you got a great big boat and a great big house and you got a nice block on the Gold Coast, full frontage on the water, this is, that's nothing compared to this. Pokemon Go, you capture all those beasts and kill them and do whatever
1: else you're supposed to do. Nothing compared to this, nothing. Blessed and holy are those who have part in the first resurrection. How do you do? How do you do
0: that? How do you get through the famines and the plagues and the things that are coming? You've got to be ready. Like right now in Australia, we're so blessed, aren't we? Even the worst of us is better off than many people in the world. But it's so fragile. How quickly do you think the supermarket shelves can get emptied once there's no
1: more resupply? Two days. Two days, that's it. Once the water is contaminated. And you know, I don't
0: want to be the prophet of doom, but I want to say to you, where is your heart? Well, is your
1: heart ready for that? Is your heart ready just to have Jesus? Blessing number six. Twenty two, six to
0: seven. The angel said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angels to show his Servants, the things that must soon take place. Behold, I am coming soon. In verse 7, blessed is he who keeps... There it is again. It's Bracketed. Brackets the book. Blessed is he who keeps the words of prophecy in
1: this book. How do we do them? Keep those words. Blessing number 7.
0: 22, 12 to 16. In fact, I'll just read uh, verse 14. I mean, you can read around it yourself. But blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. And again, in verse 12, just before behold, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me. I'm the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes. That's, re- that's blessing number seven. How do you do those things? That's the key question, isn't it? How do you do these blessings? How do you do these warnings, these exhortations, these... Magnificent images. He's coming soon. Everything's ready. In in the Bible, exaltation is honey and vinegar. It's a hug and a slap. It's an encouragement and a rebuke. Remember, there's these two mountains, Gerizim and Ebal, curses and blessings. So the, the blessing is promised and the warning is given. Do this so that you might earn this, even though the earning comes all through Jesus. And don't do this or this will happen. It's both. Flames and reward. The exhortation. The exhortation of revelation, I believe, is overcome and I know. Now, if you look at those first three um, chapters or four or uh, or five chapters and the seven churches, you're going to see a common refrain. Jesus says, I know. I know you. I know your deeds and overcome. It's in every single one of those churches. And I don't want you to forget as we get into this and then get into Revelation as a whole that it is all about I know and I want you to overcome. That's, what, that's how you do this. That's how you do Revelation. You remember that Jesus knows. So he knows your deeds. He, he, he doesn't just see the white, black and white film strip in silence. He sees colour. He sees your deeds. That's, that's company, isn't it? He knows you. He knows your struggles. He also knows your shortfalls. He knows your sins. And yet he has offered you grace. But there's a time coming where that offer will be done. The end will come. And so if you want to do these words, it is all about overcoming. Like for an example, let's see if you can guess which church this is. To him who overcomes, I'll give the right to eat from the tree of life which is in the paradise of God.
1: Which church was that? Ephesus. It was the first one. It's easy for me. I read it just recently. Okay, Raji, what did you see when you went to Ephesus recently? You told me yesterday. just imagine Raji standing in the ruins that is what
0: happened at Ephesus as a whole and it's really become a picture and a reminder to us Um, it's just a ruin now as the Muslim God said it used to be Christian now it's Muslim there is
1: no Christians there anymore I know your deeds overcome overcome the spirit and the bride say
0: come let him who hears Say, come, whoever is thirsty, let him come, and whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. Isn't that a beautiful picture? The Spirit and the bride. Who's the bride? The church. They're saying, come, come and drink of this water. Guess what? Jesus promised that when you come to him and when you trust in him, when you believe in him, he will give you that water right now. It's not in fullness, but he'll give it to you right now. The power of the Holy Spirit so that you might overcome. You've got everything you need because you've got God. You've got God. And that's leading us up closer to the exhortative song. So the question was, how do we do these words? The answer from the Holy Spirit is that you overcome. So whenever you see a warning or you see one of these pictures, it's like giving you general information so that in the future you'll recognize what it is and you'll continue. Go, yep, that's it. That's what, they, that's what Adrian spoke about. That's what Jesus spoke about. And I'm ready for that. I'm ready now to Turn to the Lord and just abide in Him and just hold on to Him because probably soon He will be all I have. And even if it's not soon, it will come without this all this other stuff because your bodies are doomed to die. So the Spirit and the Bride say, come, and let him who hears say, come, and whoever is thirsty, let him come. Let him take from the free gift of water. How do we do? We overcome. Here's the text message as I get to the end. I sent this to my fellow soldiers athletes and workers, and I, I sent it to them because I've, well, let me just read it, but I will say this. I want to read it as an exhortation to the church as well, to the church at Willowburn, and I've te- I wrote this out. I prayed about it. I left it overnight, and then I s- changed it a bit, and I sent it the next day just prior to the day that we had together yesterday, and I'll just ask any of the blokes, was anyone disappointed that they went? That's because it was from God. You know, I don't don't have time to do this kind of preparation. God made the time for me, and it was a special thing, right? And those that prioritised, it was awesome. But this is what I sent, and I I didn't, I just wanted them to, I wanted them to be there so that they would be ready. Let, Let me read it to you, and now I'm going to read it to you as brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, because you are all fellow soldiers, athletes, workers. Brothers and sisters, these last few mornings as I prep for Saturday, I've felt the Lord push deeply into my heart with the upcoming Psalm Day, Psalm is School of Ministers. I have so much to share that I think is precious and from God, at least I hope so. Two messages are coming through. Wake up and who will break through for the King? I believe the Lord Jesus has much more to say and he will do so this Saturday and into the upcoming Revelation series. To those who are coming faithfully, Please orientate on him these next few days and open up to his leading, his softening, his invigorating. For those who have already said that they can't come or haven't responded at all, time for some rawness. Time for some rawness, my brothers and sisters. To me, prepping up for the end is something that takes utmost priority and has far-reaching consequences. You face a malicious threat from without in Satan and a pacifying dulling effect from within your sinful nature. I'm not going to bang on too much, but can you really afford to miss the training and encouragement sessions of this church? Because I believe that there are men and there are women who are gifted in various ways to equip you, to help you, as it says in Ephesians.
1: The people are given, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds and teachers are given, why? To equip the saints. Can
0: you really afford to miss this? Can your family, do you want to really trust more deeply, love more deeply, hope more deeply? If so, what have you done about it? Rick brought this up the other night. What have we done about it? We had that in our first love series.
1: First love, first series. What have you done about it? Here's something you can do very simply.
0: Just come each Sunday. Just come to those training and um, equipping sessions. We don't, we don't have that many, really. And you might be saying, my work, other things. And then I just ask you to take it to the, the Lord. I've gone off script here a bit. I'll just go back to my script. If the Lord Jesus prompts you to come, then make the sacrifice you need. Ask him to make a way if it seems as though you just can't. Do whatever it takes to obey. And with all that said, please know that I care for you deeply. I do. Care about your persevering and crossing. This is so real to me, my brothers and sisters. It was real to my, my oppa. It was real to my um, grandfathers. And, you know, I've tripped, stumbled, fall through my whole life. But I know this is real. This stuff is real. They would always say, get ready, Adrian. Jesus is coming. Get ready, Willowburn. Jesus is coming. I've gone off script again, sorry. Um, so if you have sought the Lord on this matter... And each Sunday or whatever, and he has given you other priorities. God bless you. I genuinely mean that. God may well give you other priorities when you seek him. But if you have not sought the Lord about this incredibly important day, the Lord's day when we gather together, then I ask you to pray again and seek God and his kingdom with obedience. I don't care what you say anymore. If you are making these decisions in the flesh, then God rebuke you. I don't have to. God rebuke you.
1: And his rebuke is kind. It's the slap near the edge of the cliff. Bless you and we will try and record the sessions
0: if you really are somewhere else on God's kingdom purposes. And then I said to my brothers, let's go from mangy to mighty. Because that's what yesterday was all about. Going from mangy to mighty for the Lord. And do you want to be mangy when the Lord shows up or do you want to be mighty? I know what I want to be. If anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. That was the exhortative text message and it brings us to the exhortative song which is a song by Matt Redmond called Abide With Me and I want to just play it. You'll see the lyrics up there and I'm not sure what we were going to do. Were you going to run communion or do you want me to? All right, so we might this, use this as a communion song and then I believe we've got So Sweet to Trust in Jesus which would be an awesome song to finish off with because how you do these words of revelation is you abide with him. You abide with the Lord Jesus. You do anything it takes to remain in his love as he exhorted you to do in that previous sermon series. Remain in me and I will remain in you. That's what he says. You fight for that. You rest at full pace in him. And so we're going to listen to this song, which is really an exhortative song for us. And you know, you might know the words. You can sing along or just listen. Hopefully it will work. I um, might we'll have to fill around up the back there a little bit. Um, but the lyrics, um, the lyrics just quickly are, uh, I have a home, an eternal home, but for now I walk this broken world. You walked at first. You you know our pain, but you show hope can rise again from the grave. And that says, abide with me. Abide with me. Don't let me fall. Don't let go. Walk with me and never leave. Ever close. God, abide with me. Abide with me through the four horsemen of the apocalypse, whatever they are and
1: whenever they come. Abide with me. Abide with me. Blessed are all those who are invited to the wedding supper of the
0: Lamb. When you come and eat of these small tokens, really, that's all they are of what's to come, not just what happened because Jesus himself said that he was not going to drink of that last cup until he drinks it again with all his people in the kingdom. So when you come up here, you are already participating in a small way. It's a little bit of a movie trailer. A little movie trailer before the main thing. Okay. So blessed are all those who are invited. Blessed are all those who will overcome. So let me pray and then I invite you to come and partake of the bread. And Benjamin, would you mind breaking the bread for us today, my brother? Yeah, Yeah, you can break it now. So as Benjamin breaks the bread, remember the body of the lamb broken for us. Broken for each one of you. Broken so that you might be invited and that you might be found worthy of the wedding feast of the lamb. Remember the drink which represents the lamb's blood spilt for us. I invite you to just hold it so we might join t- together in drinking. So in your own time, um, come and partake of the bread and the wine. I'll just pray. Father, prepare our hearts as we come now. Lord, we're only worthy because of you. And if we are feeling convicted of any sin, let us confess so
1: that we might be cleansed, come before you, drink and partake. So thank you, Father.